Some stories can entertain you. Some stories can tear you up. Some stories can make you think profoundly, but not many, only a select few can make you do all of the above. Welcome one and all to another Mere Mortals book review, the book reviews for those who want to transcend mere mortality. And today I have the book for you, The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. Excuse my poor Southern accent, but this here be one hell of a book. The book was published in 1939 and it tells the story of the Jode family as they travel from Oklahoma to California during the Dust Bowl. So during this time in the 1930s, also known as the Dirty 30s. We start off the book with the focus on Tom Jode, and he's the principal character, I would say. He's a prisoner who's recently been released and is trying to reconnect with his family. So he goes to his old home, can't find them there, and so goes to the home of his uncle where he finds all of them getting ready to leave. And essentially, they've been kicked out of their land due to not only the forces of, I would say, big government, big companies, but also due to the Dust Bowl, so the dying of crops and the need to move on. So... He joins his family, which is extensive. There's his brother, Al, who wants to become a mechanic. There's his ma and his pa, his grandparents, his younger siblings of Ruthie Winfield, Rosa Shan, Rosa Shan's husband or fiance, his uncle, of course, and then the random preacher who joins the family. It's like this huge conglomerate of people all getting onto this one vehicle and just leaving everything they have behind and trying to find a better place, a new home. So we follow them as they go through these adventures. And when I say adventures, it's not adventures in the terms of the swashbuckling pirates or the explorers going deep into the forest. No, this is the adventures of reluctant people who are being forced to move on. So... We watch them as they travel the arid landscape as there are some deaths from the grandparents due to the tremendous upheaval in their life, the breaking up of the family as members start to disappear here and there. As they reach the California, this place of their dreams, their hopes, they're going to have a new life here and they're just shattered by what they find. And so what do they find there? Well, they find discrimination from the police, from the farmers, from the native Californians. They find there's no work to be had as millions of other people are translating, migrating across from the Dust Bowl into this perceived land of wealth. They find that the weather is not as conducive to what they imagine it would be. And they find that they probably would have honestly been better off staying where they were. So the book is the following of them during their journey, their conversations on what to do next, their deprivations, their starvation, their hunger, their what it was like to be a refugee in your own country. Before we jump into the themes, I want to talk a little bit about the author, John Steinbeck. And he was definitely an everyman novelist and everyman author writing for the disenfranchised, for the lower class, for the poor people. And I believe he had about 33 published works across his lifetime. And some of them were very serious, such as Of Mice and Men. And this one, which ended up winning the Pulitzer Prize, a National Book Award, I believe, and was cited very heavily in his winning of the Nobel Prize in Literature. But there's also silly ones like the book I reviewed not too long ago, Sweet Thursday, which is comical, which is about unserious situations. However, I talked about the seriousness of this book and the theme that really runs throughout for me was 
poverty and suffering. And I suppose the link between these two and how they lead to despair. I'm going to talk a little bit more about despair in this other book that I have here, The Noonday Demon. So I'll focus a bit more on the poverty and the suffering. I think there can be quite a bit of misconception or a very bad idea about there being dignity in poverty. And I would say that's not absolutely correct. I think there can be dignity despite poverty, but in the lack of wealth and the lack of resources, I don't think there's any actual dignity in that. We see in the book all the terrible things that they have to go through due to their poverty. And so some of examples of this in the book were the burial of the grandparents on the side of the road and having to actually lay next to a dead grandmother, or in this case, it was her mum during their trip across the country just to be able to reach the other side. We see this in their living conditions where they're setting up tents on the side of their car, where they're sleeping in uncomfortable positions in the rain, getting flooded out. We see this particularly in their starvation and so much of the book is about food and the the hunger that they feel and not just of them but of the other families of feeding your kids fried dough with basically no nutritional value and even right at the end of the book the stillborn birth of Rosa Shan's baby is just a tremendous tremendous saddening that you experience throughout the whole time it's possible to hear things being said you know we have too much stuff we have too many phones we have too much abundance we we don't appreciate what we have and while this is true i i think there's a weird connection that can go on, which then makes it say, oh, having less stuff. Oh, there is better things to be had in those, you know, poor people who only have, you know, the shirt on their back. And I find that to be just untrue to the highest degree. And this is because poverty really leads to suffering and then suffering leads to despair. There's no real way to get out of this link chain of events. We see so many times in the book just how close they become to losing everything to breaking down, particularly Tom and his mother who are the principal characters and they hold on by a thin's edge to their sanity, to their ability to keep the family together, to keep going, to have uplifting spirits, but damn, it is so close. And so what are the causal steps that lead to this poverty, that lead to the suffering, that leads to this despair? And we see it's mostly due to waste and we see the waste of time, of resources and the waste of human capital as well because these people, all of them really, are just in this such a bad state that they can't take the first steps to pull themselves up to get a better job, to then get that better job to better themselves, to better their family so their family can do better, so they can work harder. All of this is just a continual cycle but it's one of those spirals that is going downwards and downwards. Funnily enough, one of the things that indicates that someone is coping is rage. And so in this case, rage is actually good. We see in chapter 25, which by the way, is probably the best chapter of the book, although it does require reading the 24 previously to, to really feel the full impact of it, where we feel this rage and it's where the actually name of the book comes from, The Grapes of Wrath. And it's a very short chapter, it's only two or three pages, but it, it highlights this waste that's going on. And it talks about the farmers throwing potatoes in the rivers because they can't sell them anywhere. It talks about killing pigs and spilling their blood in the land and burying them in landfills. It talks about piling up huge heaps of oranges, pouring kerosene over them. It talks about burning corn just to stay warm at night. It talks about all of this waste and waste and how... There are these needy people who need all of these things, but because they can't pay for it, because there is no 
benefit to the farmers in in giving it to them, all of this stuff has to go to waste. And this sort of leads on to the next topic, which for me was discrimination and it's unjustified distinctions on whatever. And in this case, the whatever is really important because essentially the people are the same in the book. They're Americans. There's no racial divide in this. It's not talking about black people and white people. It's just white people. I guess you'd say white trash in general, but they, they show how there's these distinctions being made between these newcomers who are now the Okies or they're Reds, they're communists. And for me, I think this discrimination is is more misguided rather than pure evil. We see in the book with particularly the police, but also the farmers and the native Californians in general to these people coming in who they call Okies, which is sort of silly because they're not just from Oklahoma, but they're from the surrounding states all affected by the Dust Bowl. And even then, even when you see this hatred, they're, they're bullying of them. I, I still feel like you can use this as a little test to put yourself in their shoes. And what really comes up is that fear is the main justifier for this discrimination. So even though they're bullies, even though they're acting in these terrible ways, I can sort of put myself in there and say, you know what? If there was this huge migration of people coming in, I would be worried about my own family, about my own job, by the own propensity that I could potentially be in a similar situation to these poor desperate people who are entering into my home into my land so I actually use this book as a little test for myself to try and do that and what I came out with is that everyone really everywhere are just frightened little babies and the bad things that occur from that is due to this fear due to this underlying impact that they each individually feel now one of the harder things and which I'm not sure is as ethically sound is feeling empathy for the large forces or the big companies which are driving some of these changes as well so we hear about how these companies need more land to be able to cultivate to make more profits how this is all contributing to this mass migration of kicking people out of their homes which they've had for generations and generations and Feeling empathy for those forces is much harder because there's no real face behind it. You can't empathize with the large company. You can't empathize with industrialization, for example. So onto my personal observations. And one thing I would say, enjoy this book while you can. And that is because I have a feeling this is one of those books that maybe in 20 years, maybe 40 years, maybe 100 years time, is where it will sort of become unreadable due to its own style and due to the way the characters speak. So I picked out a random passage here and I'm just going to read out how it is that these characters talk. So, no, said Tom, he ain't a preacher no more. He figures it ain't right to fool people acting like a preacher when he ain't a preacher. I bet he went away so nobody wouldn't ask him. So it's got this real southern twang to it with, you know, only slight letters missing here and there and slight weird phrases of grammar and use but this compounds over time so i would just say man if you want to read this book probably read it as soon as you can i particularly like the style of the chapters as well and so most of the chapters focus on the jode family their interactions with each other their actions of how they're going to move here their conversations but there are these small little ones chapter 25 i already mentioned where it gives a a a broader context it's an additional insert and it's sort of taken from as if it was like a narrator or or more of an observer who's wise and really impartial just talking about what is happening in the the huge context i would say and this does a couple of things one i would say it breaks a little bit of the monotony of 
following the Jode family and their constant speech, which does actually you know, tend to hurt a little bit, the, the eyes and the ears and your own, you have to focus and really make sure you're understanding what they're saying. I think it also adds that historical context. So you do get a feeling for everything that is going on in a general sense. It also creates a tiny little bit of mystery for the following chapter because it will talk about in general context what happened to this family. It talks about this family who got crushed on the road. It talked about this family who had a stillborn birth or whose children died and passed away from hunger. And you're thinking like, oh shit, is that what happened to the Jode family? And it continues on and it it doesn't, but it's interesting to see that and, and it keeps this little bit of suspense running throughout the novel as well. For those who are interested in history as well, this book itself is almost a historical document because when it came out, it had such a big reaction. It was absolutely huge. So there was people accusing the author of being a communist of a red. There was people accusing him of spreading false information about what was going on or of aggrandizing the problem. And even as recently as I think it was 2004, there was accusations of plagiarism because another book which he had used to do research on on this book, on The Grapes of Wrath, had some very similar plot lines, had some very similar stories. And so the book itself is interesting for being a book in itself. So we come to the end, we come to the summary, and this book hits home hard. As I mentioned right at the start, I found it very entertaining. I found it very emotive. And I also found it very impactful and made me think about some topics a lot deeper than I was expecting. Steinbeck creates complex characters that aren't tropes, but also live in this world of a huge movement of time, of space, of energy, of location, and gives us this broad historical context of what it would have potentially felt like to be in the Dust Bowl in the dirty 30s and be a migrant moving from one place to another, even though you're in the same country, but feeling this discrimination of what poverty is like, of what suffering is like, and of what despair is like. This book is deserving of high praise, and I'm grateful to hear that not only during its own time, but even to this day, it still does get the praise it deserves. And so I'm giving it an 8 out of 10, The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck, splendid in basically every single way. So mere mortals, we've come to the end of another book review and I want to thank you for joining me this far. If you'd like to hear more book reviews, hit the follow button on whatever platform it is you're listening on. Or if you want to interact with us, come to our Instagram at mere mortals podcast. Other than that, I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world, Kyron out.